Well, uh, according to investigative studies, aka my Twitter polls. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. After a summer packed with more sensational stories than an edition of National Enquirer, the weekly humdrum of football is back and we kick off with the Premier League where Manchester United have already had reason to spray champagne and taunt their rivals with their success. But will they be celebrating again come next spring? Or will it be Chelsea or City or maybe even Arsenal? I'm joking, of course, it won't be Arsenal. But here to speculate widely about all of that and more is Paddy Higgs. Hello. Nico Durbin Hi And Lewis Ambrose Hello. Gentlemen, it's been so long since we joined together like this in holy matrimony How have you survived the last few weeks without any uh, major football to watch? The, the Euro hangover was actually um, quite strong for me um, But it was nice actually It was nice to just, you know, not have a bad match every day <laughs> <laughs> like we had during the Euros. I drank a lot less. That was good. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. healthier too. Yeah. You look like you got a healthy tan too, Nico. What? Look out of the window. I mean, sun all day here in Berlin. <laughs> well, we might not have had any football matches to get excited about, but we have had one very long-running transfer saga to get very excited about. And it finally came to an end last night in the early hours of Monday morning. Thank God. Thank God. Paddy, it's done. Pogba's back at Manchester United. Yeah, Tell I mean, us all about it. It was the sort of agonising wait that only Game of Thrones fans can really experience between seasons, I think. I can't um, relate to that. No, well, I think most other people probably could. It was, it just went on and on and on. And, you know, all the uh, histrionics about, you know, the way that they were dealing with the media, Pogba and Rayola, um, the speculation, all the newspapers and the websites trying to get one up on them by being five seconds quicker than the rest of them. I'm just so happy it's over and we can actually start talking about some some real transfers or football um, because it, there's no reason this should have gone on as long as it as has um, and the way it sort of played out and all the drama around it, it does make it all a little bit, you know, a little bit crap to be honest. You're not a fan of all that histrionics to go with? I kind of find the, the theatre of it all a bit enjoyable. Oh, doesn't it get a bit old after a while? You know, I mean, if it's if this is that big a transfer, um, if people are going to spend that much money on it, then surely it should be come down to business in the end. What I'm surprised about is that United didn't control the transfer a bit better, or at least the announcement of the transfer a bit better. They didn't with Ibrahimovic as well. He, of course, um, well, that's true. announced his own move as well. Um, the timing of the transfer, as you sort of mentioned, in the early hours, um, and we'll talk about this, of course, later with Sam, but um, I think... It just sort of, it smacked of something that was really out of control. And, and that's a bit scary when clubs aren't making their own announcements. Yeah, but it's not only Pogba or uh, Man United involved in that, right? You obviously have Raiola as a third party um, and Adidas, yeah. you know. Adidas wants to get a decent chunk of cash out of this as well. You see it by the announcement uh, uh, commercials that they've already released and all that. The fact that they do it at 2 a.m. in the morning, our time, um, shows that they either, I don't know, they either just like looking for the money they can make in, in Asia, in the Asian markets uh, with this announcement, or they're just, I don't know, insomniacs. I don't know, I don't know what <laughs> Do the other have, reason could be. We don't have an exact figure yet. It's speculating wildly between 104 million euro and 140 million euro. Yeah. Is he going to be worth it? No. Yes. <laughs> we don't know. Um, 
worth is is relative, I guess. If he was signing for a club not as rich as Man United, the richest club in the world, he wouldn't be worth it. If you have that money, I think it's similar to what Arsene Wenger said, is it too much for him? Yes, if you don't have the money. If you do have the money, then no. Uh, Man United have that money. Uh, It's a huge amount of money, but it's not a huge chunk out of what United have. So it is worth it. If Liverpool are spending £120 on any player... (coughs) than you would expect Messi because he's the only player who'd be worth that amount of difference. Uh, but for United, probably will be worth it. Paddy? Yeah, I mean, call me old-fashioned. You're old-fashioned. There you go, thanks. Yeah. Um, it's just that's that amount of money for one player. And you know, I just, I, we, we spoke about it quickly when he was having his medical. If he'd failed that medical, what is he then worth? You know, the, the difference between $120 million or $140 million and and basically zero if he's got a bad knee is just is this much you know um well what would juventus have got for him if he had a good european championships because he was poor yeah mm. good call yeah. yeah they got him on the cheap then united right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i think manchester united uh, uh made some pretty obvious transfers this season um or this preseason, i should say and that's why that's why they were paying or they had to pay 100 and whatever 20 million for for pogba because Juve knew that Manchester United could not stand seeing Pogba going to any other club but them. So they could call this number regardless of a good or a bad Euro. Um, and then Raiola, he's just smart enough to get the last chunk of money out of that. And they orchestrated it to the very end. Maybe it's not a coincidence that those three obvious big transfers, Ibrahimovic, Mkhitaryan and now Pogba, are all represented by Raiola. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't even know what to say to that. It kind of makes me a bit sick in my stomach. Mm. Um, at the same time, like he, he, he's really full of himself, Raiola, and and he basically said that he created an industry, he created a business, and that he is uh, the best in that. I hope that not too many people take him as a role model, not too many agents. Um, because otherwise, it's not going to be much fun. It's a, he's right though as well. Like he's he's created that role for himself, and he does it really really well. Whether it's for good or bad of the game, um, you can probably argue yeah. that it's probably for the latter. Um, but certainly, he sets out to do what he wants to do, and he does it. Okay, and he's made he's made quite a bit of money off this deal uh, about <laughs> about twenty million euros or so. But you mentioned Ibrahimovic. He of course scored the winner at the weekend in the traditional Premier League opener where United took on Leicester in the in the Charity Shield. I'm, I'm always going to call it the Charity Shield. I'm never switching <laughs> to Community Shield or whatever it's called. Who uh, who saw this one? Lewis? Uh, yeah, it was the the Charity Shield, the Community Shield, whatever you will want to call we'll, it. The, we'll stick with Charity Super Shield. Super Cup, <laughs> yeah. like everyone else in Europe. Um, it's, it's a little bit farcical almost now where you, you're allowed six substitutions. And it, it, it was always... Well, at least for the last fifteen years or so, it's been treated as a pre- an extra preseason friendly for those two clubs against serious opposition. Um, but now even the FA treat it like that. Using six subs is crazy. So I don't know how much we should really read into the game. And it played out like a friendly. Two teams not sharp, particularly United have had an even shorter preseason than they wanted after a game cancelled against City in China. Um, but yeah, it looked more like a Mourinho side already. They were organised. They weren't calmly dominating possession like under Van Gaal. 
Uh, and it was nice to see new players. I guess that's what it's about, Curtain Razor. It's seeing new players, seeing how the teams play out. And Mourinho will obviously be thrilled to have won his first trophy for Manchester United already. First big trophy. Uh, what did you make of, of uh, Ibrahimovic? He had a pretty quiet game. He United got very excited on Twitter because his first touch was the back heel. It was a nice back heel. It was a nice back heel. It was one touch. They did get very excited. Um, he did have a quiet game. I think it, it's very early, but it didn't look like there was much understanding between him and Rooney at all, which right. you wouldn't expect from two players supposedly of such high quality and of so much experience who should know their roles perfectly. You would expect them to know each other a bit better than that. And I wonder if Rooney will have to make way before too long to get the best out of Ibrahimovic. But he came up big with a big moment and that's what he's there for. Well, Ibrahimovic and Rooney seem to be taking up the same space. Like Ibrahimovic was dropping deep way into the space yeah. where Rooney wanted to be. And that's that's how he's played for PSG and he thinks his best football was coming his last few years for PSG. PSG playing 4-3-3 without a number 10 and then he does, he, or he has dropped into those spaces almost at the top of the midfield. And that's where Rooney's being asked to play now. And then Rooney, when United was struggling, Rooney was dropping deeper and deeper into that centre midfield that Mourinho is so certain he shouldn't be playing in. So really, I don't think it'll be too long before we see Rooney up front when Ibrahimovic is rested or one of them's going to have to play number nine and the other one might not be in the side. Okay, well, another new boy, Eric Bailly. Is that how I pronounce it? Bailly? Yeah, I think so. We'll go yep. with that one. Yep. Uh, he looked he looked pretty good, Paddy, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, United really needed to sort of look at their their spine. I think um, when Mourinho came in, and he's definitely done that. Um, you know, he's got um, Mkhitaryan. Uh, you've spoken about Ibrahimovic as well, and Bailly being the third sort of major one. Um, and I think it very promising from a start. You know, like uh, they they sort of mentioned that Bailly had a lot of potential, um, a lot of upside wasn't the finished particle but that was you know finished particle finished article sorry um but that um that uh was it was a good start for him and i think um alongside smalling if they can find a good understanding then it has the potential to be one of the better defensive matchups in the league what happened with matter can anybody explain this or at least fill in what happened for those who missed so Juan matter came on after 63 minutes i think um, much to the surprise of pretty much everyone we all know that he isn't Mourinho's favourite player dumped at Chelsea um, yeah he came on at the expense of Henrik Mkhitaryan still sat on the bench waiting for his debut after a 40 million euro move from Borussia Dortmund uh, Man United took the lead late on and Juan Mata was subbed again using that sixth sub for, for Mkhitaryan to come on for the last minute of injury time and make his debut he was being kicked a little bit he wasn't injured because he was pretty furious to be coming off. I don't know if it was some sort of tactic that he's a short player and Leicester would be lumping the ball forward in the last minute, but it seemed a bit insulting. That was Mourinho's excuse afterwards. Yeah, uh, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I'd buy that. And I wouldn't say that Mkhitaryan was going to offer a lot more defensively yeah, ex- than yeah, Mata. Exactly. That <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's another defender on the bench, but yeah. you don't put Mkhitaryan on for that yeah. aerial prowess at the back. Hey, Paddy, you yeah. know like to talk more about Manchester United? Tell us. Sam from the People's Person. Lovely. Let's give them a call. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Uh, Sam, it's been a busy summer for your club, hasn't it? But it's it's finally done. Pogba's yours, a world record fee. How are you feeling? Well, Pogba's home, but uh, they really, really milked it. It was exhausting to uh, to go through as a fan. I mean, we've been through some 
pretty bad transfer sagas before. We've had Jess Fabregas, we've had Vidal, we've had Thiago Alcantara. But at least with Pogba, it ended with him holding a Manchester United shirt. So I suppose you can't be too angry. You must be pretty excited about it though, right? Now that you've got one of the world's best players in your team? Oh, come <laughs> on. We've we rebuilt an entire spine of a team within the space of two months. We've got... We, it's, it's, it's been three years of, of basically obscurity from United since Fergie left. We've had one under David Moyes and two under Louis van Gaal and the identity of the club got a bit lost. And within two months, we've got Mourinho in. We've got a new centre-back in Eric Bailey. We've got a new central midfielder in Paul Pogba, a new winger in Henrik Mkhitaryan and a new striker in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And they're not exactly um, bad signings, are they? No, no not, not, not really at all. Where do you see Pogba fitting into the team? It's, it's interesting. I'm going to be doing a video on it later on in terms of where his best position is because the real weakness that we've seen in pre-season is the gap between midfield and attack. There's no player that's capable of running those gaps because Wayne Rooney's been playing in that role and Wayne Rooney can't run anymore. So I think ideally he would fit into a, a, a midfield three and he would be the furthest midfielder forward uh, because he's a real box-to-box midfielder. And you saw when Deschamps played in, in a defensive midfield role that he gets uh, stifled and that's the last thing you want to do when you've just bought him for a world record transfer thing. So where does that leave Rooney then? Uh, hopefully on the bench. <laughs> right. So you, you, don't, you, you think Mourinho will bench him? Uh, I don't know. I think Rooney is the real um, question mark about this team now and he has been for years. There was once, a, once upon a time when Rooney was indispensable and guaranteed to be in the starting eleven. Those days are long, long gone. Uh, when we've got Henry Mkhitaryan in the team, Juan Mata in the team, both of them are better night of tens than Wayne Rooney. We've got Pogba in the team, we've got Schneidlin in the team, we've got Herrera in the team. All of them are better central midfielders than Wayne Rooney. We've got Latin Ibrahimovic, we've got Marcus Rashford. Both of them are better strikers than Wayne Rooney. So you've basically got to shoehorn him in the team, and he's, he's not a starting player anymore. Sam, you mentioned the uh, you know, the additions that you've made and, and the, the areas that you've addressed. Um, if you look at the, the existing weaknesses that are still there now, even despite these players coming in, where would you say they would be? Um, I would say centre-back is probably our biggest glaring weakness. In Eric Bailey's look very, very strong. Uh, it looks a little bit hot-headed, so I think there's probably a red card or two in him this season. Um, and his partner is Chris Smalling. That, and that, if they fit all season... That would be an excellent partnership, but this is Man United, and nine times out of ten, they don't stay fit. So I expect there to be a point this season where one of them is injured, uh, and Daly Blind, as good as he is, isn't a centre-back. Uh, and I think that will get exposed against the bigger teams. So I think if there's one big weak point, it's that in an ideal football manager world, we'd bring another centre-back in. But I don't think we will. Uh, what about exits from the squad? One man didn't look too happy to be taken off on Sunday and Fellaini won't have endeared himself to Mourinho with his assist for that Vardy goal. Well, Mourinho defended Fellaini uh, like he does with players. It was very Fergie of him. Uh, to, he basically blamed the pitch and said the pitch was uh, a bit wet, which is why <laughs> the back pass happened. Which is, which is obviously a, a load of uh, bollocks, but it's nice to see um, him not throw Fellaini under the bus because if there was one endearing character of Fergie, it was the fact that he protected his players no matter what. Uh, so that was kind of nice to see. But in terms of players leaving, obviously Bastian Schweinsteiger is leaving. Um, I've kind of had my say on that. We're going to be doing a video on that as well. I don't actually think it's... I think it's probably the right thing to do, but the manner of it's not been very nice. Similar to Valdez under Louis van Gaal. But um, he'll be going. 
I think Adnan Yanaze is going to go as well. I hope on loan. He can't be leaving on a permanent deal. Um, I think Pat, you're probably going to be looking at Paddy McNair, Cameron Borthwick-Jackson. Um, a few of those players are going to be loaned out. In terms of players being sold, I'm not sure he's going to sell anybody. Back to Schweinsteiger there. Schweinsteiger. Oh, yeah, sorry, Sam. Back to Schweinsteiger there. Um, you mentioned the manner. Obviously, Ferguson made some pretty big calls in his time with Yapstam is one that sticks out and Van Nistelrooy as well by the end. And um, How do you actually see this as being any different for, for Mourinho? I mean, he's basically made a big call uh, in early days. Ferguson might not have been criticised or questioned as much as Mourinho has with this Schweinsteiger move. I feel it would have been a lot cleaner just to simply come out and say, Schweinsteiger is not part of my plans, that's why he's not in training. Okay, simple. Because he, he wasn't afraid to come out and say it when he did. Uh, and by that point, there had been a lot of speculation over a two-week period about where Schweinsteiger was, why he wasn't in the team. Sure. He was still sending out messages saying happy birthday, to the, like, thank you to the fans. So there was question marks because he's a very endearing character. Um, and it would have been much cleaner and easier if he simply just said he's not in my plans straight away. But it's probably the right thing to do for the team because he's not going to start in that midfield ahead of Schneidlin, Herrera and Pogba now. Sam, before we let you go, a quick prediction for the season? My prediction, I've already done it um, over on Ball Street. We did a, a Premier League season predictor. And I, my top two were Man City to win the league and United in second place. But really anything can happen. Uh, and, and it all depends what clicks over at City as well. Who, Whoever wins the league this year, it's going to be very much based in context of how... Uh, the other teams really perform because it could be a barnstorming season where Man City or United um, or, or Spurs or Liverpool run away with it. But I really don't think it will be. I think coming to the last five games of the season, there'll still be three or four teams that can still win the league. Um, so I think it's going to go right to the wire. But I think on paper, I think City have got a little bit more. That was Sam Peoples from the popular Manchester United blog, The People's Person. He's getting into predictions. We should get into some predictions, especially since the season hasn't started and the transfer window is still open. It's the right time to do it, I feel. So the big one, who's going to win the league? Paddy, you've gone for Chelsea. Um, yeah, I think they've recruited well. Um, I think they had a far better squad than, than most people sort of suspected last year, but a very much an underperforming one. And um, I think... Uh, with Conte now, he really impressed me during the Euros. I'm not alone in that, of course. Um, I didn't know, you know, I, I'd sort of obviously followed his career up to this point, but I didn't realise that he was perhaps as elite as he as he proved himself to be. So if he can organise that team a little bit like Mourinho organised Chelsea when he was there um, to get the best out of it, then I think they're actually going to be hard to beat. Sam's got a good point about, again, about City, of course, um, but I think Chelsea probably on paper have a, a little less volatile. Nico, City and Chelsea? Um... City or Chelsea? Yeah, I think City has a better team, but then for some reason, I don't think that Guardiola is going to win the league. I don't know. I mean... I agree I, with you, but I want to hear your reasons why. Uh, I don't, it's more gut feeling. It's more gut feeling. Um, I, I just think that, that Guardiola is going to be struggling a little bit at City, although they signed some pretty good players. Um but it's not going to be as smooth as it was uh, at uh, Bayern Munich or Barcelona for him. Um, so, yeah, I say Liverpool is going to be second. Oh yeah, actually. So they're going to be they're going to be hunting whoever is running uh, up front. Um, 
and then it's going to be Chelsea in the end, I think, for me as well. Lewis, you've gone for Man City? I have. Uh, Liverpool's not a bad shout, though. They don't have European football, and Klopp's had a full pre-season with them. Uh, so I think that could be something to watch. I would go for Man City. Um, it will be Guardiola's, maybe his toughest domestic season yet. Um, he's proven his credentials at, at, at City, at, at Barcelona, sorry, and at Bayern, but they were extreme circumstances there. Bayern, where he was by far the richest club in the country, and coming into a squad that just won the treble at Barcelona, he knew the youth team, he worked with the youth team, and everybody at Barcelona is schooled the same way, roughly speaking. Um, he hasn't had that at City. He's got to start from the ground up, really, to implement his way of playing. And at the moment, he doesn't have the players to do that. In central midfield, he'll still he'll be without Gundogan until November, probably. He'll be using Fernando and Fernandinho. At the back, Vincent Kompany isn't fit ever. Mangala isn't good enough. He used Kolarov and Fernando as centre-back the other day. But I still think he'll come through that. I think there's enough attacking talent there in particular. And he will bring some things to English football that we've never seen before and storm the league. Storm? Storm the league. Do you want to know who I think is going to win the league? Sure. Manchester United. Why? Well, I think in Mourinho, they've got somebody who's a serial winner who has experience of the league, which is the reason why I think Pep Guardiola won't win. I don't think he has enough experience in the Premier League. And it's not like Bayern where they can basically canter to the league. Um, I think in Pogba, they've got the world's best midfielder. They've got Ibrahimovic up front. They've got a. He, Mourinho will famously organise the back very well. I just can't see that being beaten. I thought there was irony before when you said Pogba was the world's best midfielder. It should be. Is that actually your opinion? Sorry. Is that my opinion? Yeah, I think he probably okay. is the world's best midfielder. All right, it's all right. I yeah. Don't, yeah, that's a lot of Premier League chat. <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, let's let's do a bit of Bundesliga talk, shall we? We'll insert a little musical sting there, Damo. So let's. let's <laughs> yeah. Nico, it's your time to shine. Hello. And you've got a big black book full of notes right there. <laughs> Although we can't see anything at, from this angle. I can't see anything from this angle, at least. So it could be actually blank. Yeah. Um, so Bundesliga kicks off in two weeks' time, is it? Two weeks is the DFB Pokal. Is so the we D have Super Cup next week, DFB Pokal the week after, and then... We kick off. Okay, well, we're going to talk to Stefan from the Yellow Wall in a few minutes about Dortmund. So let's have a quick chat about Bayern. All right. There are, they did their business early. They have mm -hmm. a new manager. No major injury concerns, although we know Renato Sanchez is out for, for a little bit. So they can't be stopped, can they? Um, well, in terms of if they're going to win the league. They're yes, going to win the league, aren't they, they? They're going to win the league, yeah. But... They they can be stopped. They can be stopped in the Champions League, I think, and they will be. Um, they did their business early, yes. Um, I think Renato Sanchez is an outstanding signing um, for a quarter of what other teams pay for players that played a mediocre tournament. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but at the same time, their wingers Ribéry and, and Robin. They're to they're just injured twice or three times a season. Costa and Coman, they're talented, but they're not consistent enough. So if you if you're at semi-final stage Champions League and Ribery and or Robin happen to be injured, I don't think that 
Costa and or Command can play two, three rounds. So that's five, six games uh, on Champions League level against the teams that we spoke about before, um, plus the Spanish teams and, and bring Bayern to, to the um, final. Lewis, you're nodding your head in, in appreciation of Nico's points. Yeah, I, Kingsley Coman is still young and raw uh, and inconsistent. We've seen the, what he's capable of, but he is inconsistent. Uh, and Douglas Costa is super quick, but one-dimensional. Um, Robin and Ruberry really have it all as wingers. And it makes me think that Bayern might just end up regretting letting Mario Götze go so easily without Ooh. a fight. Um a, a different kind of a player who can play out wide, but a different kind of wide player, really a, a playmaker. Um, in the midfield, they'll be fine. They should win the Bundesliga again. But Ancelotti has this weird record domestically where he goes and wins the Champions League, but kind of messes up the league somehow. So we'll see if if Dortmund or anyone else, Leverkusen, Schalke, are in a position to take advantage. I think, yeah, you would expect Bayern to win the league in the Champions League, Müller and Lewandowski, even if Robin and Ribéry are out, can win games on their own. And defensively, it's unbelievable That's now. The, to, it, to, to add Mats Hummels to that defence that um, they already had is, well, yeah. it's insane. Is, yeah. it, is it the best club defence in the world? It's hard to divide. I mean, you've got Neuer, Lam, Hummels, Boateng and Alaba. Yeah, and it, it must doesn't be. get Even with possibly Lam. The, possibly the best five individually in their positions. In well, the you could argue that Lam has perhaps starting to enter the twilight of his career, but he's still a, a first-rate fullback. And when Lam's you put twilight him, is... Much better than exactly. most people's peak performance. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. when you put them all together, I mean, that's a that's a unit that any club would pay that, over the odds for. That's that's true. I'm I'm curious to see how um, Müller comes back after that poor tournament. Um, it's going to be one of his tougher seasons, I think. I think it's going to be interesting to see who's going to make most games in uh, um, six and eight in central midfield. You obviously have Vidal, and you have Alonso, Thiago, mm-hmm. Renato Sanchez. Um, Kimmich, Lam, depending on how they're playing. So it's it's really versatile, and and I'm curious to see how Ancelotti uh, um, uses that. Yeah, I mean, I think that will be maybe the biggest test for Bayern uh, will be the the versatility they have because we've seen with Guardiola, it's it's firstly it's very malleable the way that he has his teams playing, but it's also incredibly. Um, intricate the the instructions the players are given uh insane to be honest they every little detail is covered for the players might benefit from a bit more freedom under Ancelotti who will focus more on having a balanced side um but they might be a little bit lost without so much instruction after three years of having it drilled into <laughs> them well the fans will enjoy it a bit more probably yeah Ancelotti's maybe a, a coach that's easier on the eye than Guardiola I'm I'm actually surprised that Bayern um, didn't do much about uh, two two transfers in particular, and it's Leroy Sané and Mkhitaryan, both uh, uh, heading towards the Premier League. I think those are two players that they could have used um, as backups because they can both support Lewandowski and or Müller. Uh, they both know the league. Um, Sané, probably a more yeah risky signing than Mkhitaryan would have, would have been. Um, but Mkhitaryan, in the end, it wasn't that expensive. Certainly on transfer fees, but 
can Bayern Munich compete with the wages that Manchester City and Manchester United are going to pay? I mean, Herring Mkhitaryan is on, I think, a quarter of a million pounds a week almost. Maybe, what? maybe, yeah. Not too far off. Maybe Bayern is just smart enough to not uh, make exactly. any business with Rayola. That's the other thing. Yeah. I, th I think, to be honest, Zane would have been a far more logical one as well, given it would have addressed those weaker points um, on the flanks as well. But, but um, he, he would have been just another command as well. Correct, just being, correct, uh, correct. Yeah. But uh, yeah, with Mkhitaryan, I mean, Bayern are a, a, a very savvy business and um, getting in bed with someone like Rayola is definitely not in their MO. They were talking to Royce for, for years. He was always rumored to maybe join Bayern, right? And now he's captain in Dortmund. Um, Stefan maybe can say a bit more about this role. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm surprised. I, I feel like there's this one uh, uh, transfer missing. Should we give Stefan a call then and ask him all about it? Yeah, let's do it. How was Philadelphia? It was amazing, to be honest. Beautiful weather, very relaxed people, a lot of opportunity for sport and not too far away from the speed. So I can't complain. Did you join in any pro-Donald Trump rallies or anything like that, no? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I had to pass on that. I, I watched the uh, Republic conve uh, Convention with a little bit of glee, but that was pretty much it. Okay, lovely. Well, let's let's maybe chat a bit about football. It's been a busy summer for Dortmund. The main headline, of course, was the return of Mario Goethe. Where do you stand on on that? Well, I'm I'm all in on on that transfer. To be honest, I'm pretty excited. Um, I think Lewis here will agree with me that. Borussia Dortmund, after losing three key players, needs some creativity. And I think Mario Götze is just a player who can provide that. And especially since Tuchel and Götze are both agreeing that he will take a central role in Dortmund's midfield. I don't know whether it be in central midfield on the 8 or the 10, but either way, he will uh, give Dortmund some uh, much-needed creativity in the center. And I think it's going to be a win-win for both. For Götze, who will have his long-term future now in Dortmund, and for Dortmund, who can actually plan with him. So, yeah, that's that's my two cents. I'm I don't really begrudge him, to, you know, for a decision he made when he was 19 years old for crying out loud. <laughs> and uh, do, you, do you think the rest of the Dortmund fans will be as forgiving uh, as you are? Well, uh, according to investigative studies, aka my. <laughs> Twitter polls, 75% uh, <laughs> of Dortmund fans say that uh, he is welcome back and 25% don't. But obviously, uh, that's just a Twitter poll. But uh, I think there is a hardcore base in Dortmund and it's going to be a vocal hardcore base on the yellow wall that uh, yeah, won't really love the fact that Mario Götze came back to Dortmund. But I think overall, the majority... We'll, we'll welcome him back, but obviously there is a loud minority, and so we will see on Sunday how loud they will be. I don't, I don't reckon it's going to be as loud as Mats Hummels and uh, the whistling concert he received when he played. You, uh, you make it sound a bit, Stefan. Sorry, you make it sound a bit like a, you know, high school relationship to to uh, souls that met too early and had to break up. <laughs> <laughs> but they but they stayed friends, you know, and now now they their paths cross again and all will be good. Do you believe in that actually? Well, if you I, I mean I, I like the analogy because in a way it makes a lot of sense. Uh because 
in at least in my opinion, football fans often do behave like petty 13-year-olds. So, yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, Stefan, we, we also know you're a bit of a romantic as well, but um, you've been a little less upbeat about Schuller um, arriving at Dortmund. What? Well, it's the best transfer that ever happened to Dortmund. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mario Götze and Andre Schuller were sitting at a press conference yesterday in Switzerland and uh, they were laughing a lot, but Andre Schuller said that His style and Borussia Dortmund's style are very alike, but he didn't laugh when he said that. I actually don't know. Borussia Dortmund play a position-based style. They, they play with a lot of combinations play. If you watch their training sessions, it's a lot of runners, it's a lot of passing. So, yeah, we're going to see how Andre Schüle fits in. Thomas Tuchel said that uh, he needs Schüle to get in behind the line, but most teams don't really leave space in behind the line for Dortmund. So, yeah, he's probably going to be the one for Champions League nights against the bigger teams when there's actual space to exploit. But, yeah, we'll see. He's experienced. He will give the team some balance. So, It's it's not like it's the worst transfer ever. It's just that 30 million is it's a little too much, in my opinion, for him. Yeah, Stefan, it's a record transfer fees for Dortmund. And so, you know, you say experience and some balance to the team, but you shouldn't be spending a record transfer fee on a guy who only provides that. Do you think that Schürrle's transfer is sort of worrying for the long-term fitness of Marco Royce? Well, the long-term fitness of Marco Royce is worrying for Marco Royce. And uh, <laughs> I think you're right there because that transfer was almost precautionary. I mean, I only joked around when Dortmund lost Hummels, Mkhitaryan and Gunnar and they replaced Royce. But I, I think in the end, that's what they actually did. So yeah, you're, you're right there, Lewis. <laughs> how, is, uh, how is the other uh, big signing, Mark Bartra, looked in uh, preseason? Well, uh, I had a lot of arguments whether he would be better looking than Mats Hummels or not. I don't really have a standpoint on that, but uh, so far he's looked okay. He's been a lot pacier than Hummels, which is nice to finally have a, a quick center back. But um, yeah, listeners of the Yellow Wall Pot will know that one of my favorite words is automatism. And while Mark Bratra looks pretty good on his own, um, I'm more concerned about the whole construct of Borussia Dortmund's backline. So far, so good. We've only seen one and a half friendlies of Mark Bartra, so um, there's not too much I can say. Tonight, Dortmund will play against Bilbao, so uh, I'm confident we can say even more after that. But uh, so far, he has been quite quite well in his timing and his positioning. And uh, yeah, the, the passing, obviously, the build-up play was always going to be okay from his side, so... Not too uh, shabby for eight million. I think I think Dortmund has a good squad on paper, um, and Tuchel is the the right man for the job. But would you agree um, if I say that maybe this transition comes one year too late, given the fact that they played a really good uh, uh, domestic season last year, and the expectations are high um, nationally and internationally. And now there's such a big shift. There's so many players coming and so many uh, players left that it's actually going to be hard for Dortmund to compete maybe with the Leverkusens um, of the league. Maybe even Schalke's. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yes and no, because Dortmund, I think, uh, will do all right in the, in the midterm, as you said, because uh, Tuchel is the right man for the job and they have a capable squad as it is. Um, the problem for Dortmund was they didn't really plan on losing so many key players, so I would say the transition was almost a knee-jerk reaction because they just couldn't couldn't see that coming. I mean, they should have, but they couldn't or didn't. So, um, yes and no. I don't really know how, how strong Dortmund will be entering this season. I have a feeling that uh, in the Bundesliga they still will do fairly well. I mean, considering from the friendlies, yes, there's a big transition, but uh, there's a lot of experience too and players like Gonzalo Castro, for example, are getting in, into shape. And I don't think it's all doom and gloom as much as people make it out to be. So I'm I'm still slightly optimistic that Dortmund over the course of an entire season can compete with Bayer Leverkusen for the top three. And that's pretty much all that matters for Dortmund. Nico, what about the rest of the Bundesliga this season? First uh, of all, actually, my big question is what's going to happen with Julian Draxler? That's what I want to know. Um, I think he's going to stay. What? Yes. Uh-huh. But he put in the transfer request and all, didn't he? Yeah, but I don't think... I don't Arsenal think, or... No. No? No. Uh, He's going to stay. He's going to need a couple of weeks and then he'll realize that he was a bit too late maybe or it was the wrong way and he get, gets his shit together, plays a decent season and leaves next year. Oh, I can't stand anymore these Julian Draxler rumors. Every yeah. time. Okay, what's going to happen with Wolfsburg and Schalke then? Um, Schalke is going to play a good year. I think most important for Schalke um, and Heidel um, is that they find a good balance finally. You know, the last years, all their transfers uh, um, leaked out to the media before they happened. The the sums that they pay and the salaries they're paying, they're outrageously high for the successes that they had. Um, so I think almost that he wouldn't mind just finishing fifth, you know, with a decent season, not too much struggle and build something consistently. Also, uh, also with Weinziel as coach. Wolfsburg, it's it's different, you know. They they signed Daniel Di Davi uh, from Stuttgart who is trying to play center midfield or maybe on the wing next to Draxler. He's really good, but he's tops playing 15 matches due to his uh, due to his knee, um, so I think Wolfsburg will actually struggle a lot this year. Um, two digit pos- uh, position in the league. Ooh, and what, cool. a, what about my beloved Hamburg? Where are they going to be? Well, they've signed some some really positive young footballers like uh, Kostic and Halilovic, but then you just look at it, it's Hamburg, and they've made a career out of <laughs> uh, making promising young players um, become mediocre middle aged ones. So. Um, Again, some some good signings on their behalf. Um, they've got a little bit of a, a similar problem to Schalke. They've always overpaid. They've probably had some egos in there that didn't need to be there. Um, but I wouldn't expect um, Hamburg to be breaking down any um, big fences on their way to the European competition, that's for sure. Okay. Anything else worth mentioning Bundesliga-wise before we wrap this all up? We, we had a chat on the way here um, about who's going down this year. And that's actually going to be really interesting. 
Yeah, um, the league the last few years has lacked a title race, but made up for it in the relegation yeah. battle, really. And this year, there's no obvious, we said Darmstadt. Darmstadt. A change of coach, especially. Um, but there's no obvious candidate beyond them who will lose from the league at the end of this season. So that'll be interesting to watch. It could be really six or seven teams pretty close together towards the bottom of the table. Yeah, including teams like Bremen and maybe again Hamburg. Yeah, just for the yeah fun Bremen, of Hamburg yeah. and Frankfurt yeah. again. Yeah. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Nico, Lewis, Steph and Sam and our producer Damien will be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Bye.